0: Hello, listeners. All the singing and dancing is finished. We've left that last week. It's the failed critics podcast. I'm your host, Steve Lord. I'm joined, like always, am by James Diamond. Hello. Jerry McCauley. Hello. And Owen Hughes. Hello. Uh, this week, our main review will be Django Unchained. Uh, but before that, we have got our usual bits a quote quiz, movie news, and what we've been watching this week. So let's start off with the quote quiz. I forgot what the current scores are. New year, new start.
1: Okay, all good. Oh, we read the ciphered.
0: An easy one to ease us in to the first quote quiz of the new year is well, I could be wrong, but I believe diversity is. Jerry. Yes, Jerry. Anchorman. Do you want to finish off?
2: I believe diversity is an old, old wooden ship used in the Civil War era. Yeah. <laughs> Good work, Jerry.
0: Bad well done. Well done, Jerry.
2: Styles, I mean to go on.
0: <laughs> so, Machine. So, James, what is the brief bit of movie news we have this week?
1: Well, Jerry seems to know a little bit more about it. I'll let Jerry just make it because he's the one who mentioned it to us. Okay. Um
2: watched Andrew Barr for five minutes this morning when I first put the TV on when I woke up. Um, and Steven Spielberg was being interviewed, and I missed the start of it, so some listeners may be able to tell me what he was being asked about before. But they asked him about uh, the possibility of working on a Star Wars movie and how there was all these rumours that he was going to do Star Wars 7 or Star Wars 8 or some kind of involvement, and he said absolutely categorically he's not going to do it. Uh, He says George Lucas has asked him several times, and he always says that he's the one who... Brings the aliens down to Earth and doesn't go out into space looking for them. And he says uh, whether it's Star Wars seven, eight, twenty, whatever, he's not he's not gonna have
1: anything to do with them. So no Spielberg with new Disney Fied Star Wars. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I've got no I'm not massively disappointed, I'll be honest. I, um it's just yeah. I I want the... him to um Jurassic Park Four. I want him to be involved yes. in that. That's what he I wanted to uh, he's Yeah. Super. Um, is he executive yeah, producing or what's, what's happening? I can't remember what
3: his involvement is, but he got, he's stopped making that um, Robocalypse or whatever it was going to be called. <laughs> oh, yeah. he's gone on to do Jurassic Park Four? <laughs> okay. Yeah. He he said they they said what he worked on next. He says I've got a lot of things.
2: I'm just waiting for something that's going to grab me and keep me there. Like there's all different things, but they're all at different stages mm. of development. I imagine Spielberg probably has anything between five and ten different films mm. in uh, different stages yeah. of conception at any mm.
0: time. I mean one of, one of them's a new a new band of brothers thing that he's exec producing with Tom hanks um about fighter pilots from world war um World War two another true story thing
1: I never saw the Pacific. was it actually any good because I didn't hear brilliant reviews it, of it
0: It's okay, but its problem mm. is that everyone compares it to Band of Brothers, yeah, which is just like impossible to compete with
3: yeah. Okay. I mean, I heard the best thing about um, the Pacific was when it was being shown on Scotty, they made a big deal about it being in HD. So it was full of mm. all these, like, really vibrant colours and stuff, which mm, is what did, I it, thought it, it was.
0: Did, um, it did look really good, but it, you know, I, I don't know why it isn't as gripping as Band of Brothers, but it's, mm. it's worth a watch.
2: Yeah, I caught okay. the first five of them and then. I, I never bothered to to watch the rest of them because I missed them, and uh, you know, what I mean, it didn't draw me in enough to make me really go and seek out mm. the rest of the series. Mm. I, I'm a big Band of Brothers fan, which mm. is so it, it says it all really that I love yeah. Brothers. I've seen it four times all the way through, and didn't even really care enough about the Pacific to go and watch the rest of the series.
1: Okay, well, hopefully the new one's good.
0: Uh, right, what we've been watching then, um, Owen? Do you want to start?
3: Yes, okay, I'll start with... um I mean, I've got a, a review of the film, but it's only very brief, and I think we can have a more interesting conversation about something else to do with the film uh, afterwards. But it, the Spielberg thing ties in quite nicely, because the film I'm talking about is The Village, which is directed by M. Night and whatever his name is. Um And he's quite often criticised for being um, a Spielberg light, you know? And The Village, to me... It kind of, it is like a Spielberg film, but very um, raw. You know, Spielberg's got a very big um, directing style. So everything's really grand. And in this film, it's very low key. So, but anyway, yeah, the film, I mean, it stars uh, quite a few people. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard's in it. Um, who else is it? William Hurt's in it, I think, as well. Sigourney so Weaver pops up as well. So it's got quite a few big names in it. Um, what, what the film's story is about is they kind of live like um, in this old-fashioned village. So you kind of get the feeling it's, that the film's probably set around, I don't know, sort of 1700s America when the sort first settlers were setting up their little villages. And they live in the middle of this woods, okay? And there were lots of monsters in these woods. They've kind of got this deal with the monsters. They don't walk into each other's boundary. So every night you can hear these like howls that come from the woods and the people in this village, they all sit around and they're all sort of caring from this noise. Um, so I don't really know how much more I can talk about this film without referencing that there's a twist, OK? Why,
0: why don't you just tell everyone what it is and save them two and a half hours of their life?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I would love to, but I would be severely pissed yeah. off if I was on the other end of that.
1: <laughs> what? Um, what I I actually know the twist to this film and okay. I st- I'm still yet to see an M Night Shyamalan film because I know all the twists and therefore for me my yeah. impression of his films are if you know the twist it just massively lessens the impact of watching the film.
3: Sure.
1: And would that be would you say that's the same with this film as well?
3: Well, I did want to watch it again at some point to see mm. if knowing the twist kind of affects the rest of the film. Yeah. I suspect okay. it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, because the rest of the film's quite good. I like the atmosphere to it. It's um, it's quite creepy. Um yeah. know, what are the performance is but... like? Really good. Everyone's yeah. really good. I mean, I quite like Bryce Dallas Howard. Anyway, I think she's mm. been brilliant in everything else I've seen her in. Um, yeah, she's fantastic, actually. Yeah, and uh, so she was. She sort of carries the film. She plays.
1: This him. was her first big kind of role, wasn't yeah, it? I do remember yeah. at the time uh, that that everyone made a big thing because she's quite striking-looking woman as well, isn't she? And it's yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, she's very beautiful as well. So she's kind of got this, this presence on the screen. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. And um, yeah, I thought everyone was good in it. The only one that's a bit odd is um, Aidan Brody. Adrian mm-hmm. Brody. And I thought he was a little bit weird. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really know what he was trying to do. He plays this kind of simple guy. right? Mm-hmm. So he's, um yeah, got learning difficulties or there's something wrong with him, basically. And he acts in a very strange way. Um, so it's really difficult to talk about what he, what his involvement in the film is without mentioning any twists or spoilers. But so he's a very he's a very odd character, and I wasn't really sure that he was played that um, sensitively. Do you know what I mean? Because he's quite a, he's got learning difficulties. He's a bit a bit of an oddball character anyway. But he's played in this really um, I don't know pantomime way. Well, and right. it's kind of not what I expected from Adrian Brody because I think he's yeah. quite a good actor. I've seen him in, you know, the pianist, he's brilliant in the pianist and um I've talked about it before in yeah. even in Predator, he's kinda of, he's got some kind of grace in that film. Yeah. Oddly, uh, not prejud- yeah. Prejudice, Yeah. But, you know, and this, is it's just a bit odd. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've seen a few um, of M. Night and films mm. and, you know, Signs and Sixth Sense have got very big twists that everyone already knows. You know, like you mentioned, you <laughs> you've, you haven't bothered seeing them because you know the yeah. twist. But I, I quite like those films. I think Signs is a good film, actually. Mm. It gets a bit... Interestingly,
1: um, I learned the twist from Signs by watching Jeff, who lives at home. Uh, the very, <laughs> okay. first, very first five minutes of Jeff, who lives yeah. at home, Jason Siegel's Jeff is right. talking into a dictaphone about um, signs and about the universe being connected and things like that. And mm-hmm. he actually talks about the So I'm like, right, well, I don't need to watch signs now either.
3: Not, um, I quite I like signs. Signs is a very good the... film up till halfway through. Right. And then, you, then what happens is you see um, something, Okay. Mm-hmm. And then after that point it just turns into this religious dirge, basically. And it's okay. yeah. At work. I, rem- I remember going to see
2: signs at the cinema and there is a moment where something there is a there is a walk past, I think, is the best way yes. I describe that. And that is a genuinely chilling moment. Yes.
3: Brilliant scene. And yeah. then from there it's all a bit actually. It is, it goes downhill rapidly after that point. But you know, I even like the happening. I think the happening is really Cheesy B movie level film that because it just takes itself so seriously it is hilarious. No, it's right, it, it uh, yeah. terrible. It's a terrible <laughs> film, uh, but I love it. I love how terrible
0: it is. I'm looking through his filmography, M'Night, M- and you've got all these <laughs> yeah. films like The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable Signs, The Village, The Happening. Stuart Little, he was it, a writer on. It. So that's, <laughs> that's thrown me completely. <laughs>
3: bit on yeah but you know i think i think the village is an okay film it's not bad it's not as good as science or the first half of Sciences anyway yeah. and i didn't have as much fun watching it as i did when i was watching the happening because that just kept making me laugh um <laughs> interestingly his his new film
1: this year which is uh, um after earth oh yeah, and yeah. smith and Jaden... Smith. yeah, yes. yeah. um interesting in that one they've they've given away what i thought was the twist of that in the trailer oh. uh have you seen the trailer for it? I've avoided it. I've seen. Okay. I've seen it. I've I seen can't it remember it. To the cinema recently. Um, there is a real, and in fact, I'm probably no. Sorry, it's in a trailer. I'm not giving too much away. It's in. It's, in, it's literally in the trailer. Um, but it, I'm not going to say exactly what it is. But it's a real Planet of the Apes style spoiler. And you know, like how the cover of Planet of the Apes how it mm-hmm. basically spoils the end of the film. Yes. <laughs> but, everyone knows, but everyone knows that that's it, so you kind of get away with it, because everyone knows that's the end of the film, because it becomes so famous. There is a Planet of the Apes-style spoiler right in the trailer, and I'm assuming... They spoil it quite... I'm assuming it's not the twist, but it felt like it should have been the twist to me, but I, I, I don't know if anyone else has seen the After Earth trailer. Well, I've just, just
2: looked it up on IMDb, and the storyline summary, written by Columbia Pictures on IMDb, says where they crash land
1: right okay so yeah. I, I don't think me, that's meant to be a twist the way the the way the trailer plays out is like there's this big twist at the end it's like has he started inserting twists in his trailers now that's just <laughs> that's getting a little bit yes but
4: exactly.
1: um but no it's uh, like it's, it's interesting because i would say normally i've done i've had this conversation on a forum with someone recently even saying a film has a twist is the spoiler in itself. Yeah. What you're doing is you're telling people that the film you're watching, things aren't all they seem. So they're looking out for twists. However, I do think with an M. Night Shyamalan film, that's what he does. It's like saying that a Wes Craven film has got people being killed horribly in it. or So, yeah, the fact is he does twists. So I think we're fair enough to say that there before anyone um, writes in to complain. Go on, write in. Write in by post. I'd love that.
3: Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's basically my review. I think it's quite a decent, decent enough film. It's got a good atmosphere to it, which I enjoyed, and I would like to rewatch it just to see if the twist has any uh, effect on the rest of it. But um, yeah, that's it. Done. (laughs) Next.
0: (laughs) Next then is Jerry.
4: Okay.
2: uh, quickly want to talk about a couple of films I watched over our extended break uh, over the festive period. Uh, one is Magic Mike, which James
4: talks
1: about on here. Mm-hmm. And um, Owen, I think we all do, Owen so. reviewed that as well. Yeah, but I think only me and Owen went to see it. Uh, Steve found okay. some excuse to avoid seeing Oiled Up Men Dance for money for some reason. Steve, it was a good excuse. I can't <laughs> remember what it was now, but it was. He didn't want to watch Oiled Up Men Dance.
0: No, I did actually have an excuse for that one. Dark Shadows, I couldn't be bothered to go and see. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Dark... one great decision that I <laughs> Dark Shadows, I just didn't go. Magic Mike, I had an excuse. I can't remember what now, though. It was months ago.
2: Well, yeah, Magic Mike. Finally got around to watching it. Um, I agree with with what we said, in that it was advertised as a totally different film to what it is. Mm -hmm. And it is is quite gritty. You know, it it looks at the, the sort
1: of underworld, the seedy side of society. It's not a full Monty for America, is it? No, it, it's not. <laughs> Although the Full Monty's actually quite gritty, come to think of it, but yeah. Full it's, Monty's
2: gritty in sort of showing that industrial decline. Yeah,
1: but this has got drugs and
2: Yeah, this lots
1: of sex and this, this is about
2: the characters and, and, you know, their flaws. You know, the characters in, in Full Monty are lovable guys who are a bit down on the look for, you know, the economy tanking, basically, and, and actually getting rid of industry. It's not like their fault, but these...
0: Hello, listeners. All the singing and dancing is finished. We've left that last week. It's the Failed Critics podcast. I'm your host, Steve Lord. I'm joined, like always, by James Diamond. Hello. Jerry McCauley. Hello. And Owen Hughes. Hello. Uh, This week, our main review will be Django Unchained. Uh, But before that, we have got our usual bits a quote quiz, movie news, and what we've been watching this week. So let's start off with the quote quiz. I forgot what the current scores are. New year, new start.
1: Okay, all good.
4: Oh, would read this
0: as I've An easy one to ease us in to the first quote quiz of the new year is, well, I could be wrong, but I believe diversity is... Jerry. Yes, Jerry. Anchorman. Do you want to finish off?
2: I believe diversity is an old, old wooden ship used in the Civil War era. Yeah. <laughs> Good work, Jerry. Bad well d-
0: Well done, Jerry.
2: Steiners, as I mean to go on.
0: she. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, James, what is the brief bit of movie news we have this week?
1: Well, Jerry seems to know a little bit more about it. I'll let Jerry just make it, because he's the one who mentioned it to us. Okay, um... I watched Andrew Barr
2: for five minutes this morning when I first put the TV on when I woke up. Um, and Steven Spielberg was being interviewed, and I missed the start of it, so some listeners may be able to tell me what he was being asked about before, but they asked him about uh, the possibility of working on a Star Wars movie and how there was all these rumours that he was going to do Star Wars 7 or Star Wars 8 or some kind of involvement, and he said absolutely categorically he's not going to do it. Uh, He says George Lucas has asked him several times, and he always says that he's the one who brings the aliens down to Earth and doesn't go out into space looking for them. And he says, uh, whether it's Star Wars 7, 8, 20, whatever, he's not He's not going to have anything to do with them.
1: So no Spielberg with new Disney-fied Star Wars. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I've got no, I'm not massively disappointed, I'll be honest. I, um, hey, he's just... Yeah. Not, he's I, I, I want him to, um, Jurassic Park 4, I want him to be involved yes. in that. That's what he I want is. Him to uh, Yeah,
3: is he executive yeah. producing, what's,
1: or what's
0: happening? I can't remember
3: what his involvement is, but he got, he's stopped making that um, Robocalypse or whatever it was going to be called. <laughs> oh yeah, he's gone on to do <laughs> Jurassic Park Four. Okay,
2: yeah. He he said they they said what he worked on next. He says I've got a lot of things. I'm just waiting for something that's going to grab me and keep me there. Like there's all different things, but they're all at different stages mm. of development. I imagine Spielberg probably has anything between five and ten different films mm. in uh, different stages yeah. of conception at any mm. time.
0: I mean, one of, one of them's a new a new band of brothers thing that he's exec producing with Tom Hanks, um, about fighter pilots from World War, um, World War Two, another true story thing.
1: I never saw the Pacific. Was it actually any good? Because I didn't hear brilliant reviews
0: it, of it. It's okay, but its problem mm. is that everyone compares it to Band of Brothers, yeah. which is just like impossible to compete with.
3: Yeah. Okay. I mean, I heard the best thing about um, The Pacific was when it was being shown on Scotty they made a big deal about it being in HD, so it was full mm. of all these like really vibrant colours and stuff, which mm, is what did, I it, thought it, it
0: was. Did, um, it did look really good, but it, you know, I, I don't know why it isn't as gripping as Band of Brothers, but it's, mm. it's worth a watch.
2: Yeah, I caught okay. the first five of them, and then... I I never bothered to to watch the rest of them because I missed them and uh, you know what I mean it didn't draw me in enough to make me really go and seek out mm. the rest of the series. Yeah. I, I'm a big Band of Brothers fan, which mm. is so it, it says it all really that I love yeah. Brothers. I've seen it four times all the way through, and didn't even really care enough about the Pacific to go and watch the rest of the series.
1: Okay, well hopefully the new one's good. Uh, right,
0: what we've been watching then, um, Owen? Do you want to start?
3: Yes, okay, I'll start with... um I mean, I've got a, a review of the film, but it's only very brief, and I think we can have a more interesting conversation about something else to do with the film uh, afterwards. But it, the Spielberg thing ties in quite nicely, because the film I'm talking about is The Village, which is directed by M. Night Shyamalan, whatever his name is. Um, and he's quite often criticised for being um, a Spielberg light, you know? And The Village, to me... It kind of, it is like a Spielberg film, but very um, raw. You know, Spielberg's got a very big um, directing style. So everything's really grand. And in this film, it's very low key. So, but anyway, yeah, the film, I mean, it stars uh, quite a few people. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard's in it. Um, Who else is it? William Hurt's in it, I think, as well. So Gorney Weaver pops up as well. So it's got quite a few big names in it. Um, what, what the film's story is about is they kind of live like um, in this old-fashioned village. So you kind of get the feeling it's, that the film's probably set around, I don't know, sort of 1700s America, when the sort of first settlers were setting up their little villages. And they live in the middle of this woods, OK? And there were lots of monsters in these woods. They've kind of got this deal with the monsters. They don't walk into each other's boundary. So every night you can hear these like howls that come from the woods and the people in this village, they all sit around and they're all sort of caring from this noise. Um, so I don't really know how much more I can talk about this film without referencing that there's a twist, okay?
0: Why, why don't you just tell everyone what it is and save them two and a half hours of their life?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I would love to, but I would be severely pissed yeah. off if I was on the other end of that.
1: <laughs> what? Um, what I actually know the twist to this film, and I'm I'm still yet to see an M Night Shyamalan film because I know all the twists. And therefore, for me, my impression of his films are if you know the twist, it just massively lessens the impact of watching the film. Sure. And would that be this? Would you say that's the same with this film as well?
3: Well, I did want to watch it again at some point to see Mm. if knowing the twist kind of affects the rest of the film.
4: Yeah.
3: I suspect Uh, it doesn't. Mm. Because the rest of the film's quite good. I like the atmosphere to it. It's um, it's quite creepy. Um, and yeah. um, what are the performance is like? Really good. Everyone's yeah. really good. I mean, I quite like Bryce Dallas Howard. Anyway, I think she's mm. been brilliant in everything else I've seen her in. Um, yeah, she's fantastic, actually. Yeah, and uh, so she was. She sort of carries the film. She plays. This it. was
1: her first big kind of role, wasn't yeah, it? I do remember yeah. at the time uh, that that everyone made a big thing because she's quite striking-looking woman as well, isn't she? And it's yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, she's very beautiful as well. So she's kind of got this, this presence on the screen. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. And um, yeah. I thought everyone was good in it. The only one that's a bit odd is um, Aidan Brody. Adrian mm-hmm. Brody. And I thought he was a little bit weird. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really know what he was trying to do. He plays this kind of simple guy. right? Mm-hmm. So he's, um yeah, got learning difficulties or there's something wrong with him, basically. And he acts in a very strange way. Um so it's really difficult to talk about what he, what his involvement in the film is without wrenching in any twists or spoilers, but so he's a very he's a very odd character, and I wasn't really sure that he was played that um sensitively do you know what i mean because he's quite a, he's got learning difficulties he's a bit bit of an oddball character anyway, but he's played in this really um i don't know pantomime way. And it's kind of not what I expected from Adrian Brody, because I think he's Mm. quite a good actor. I've seen him in, you know, The Pianist. He's brilliant in The Pianist. And, um, I've talked about him before in, even in Predator. He's kind of, he's got some kind of grace in that film. Yeah. Oddly. Uh, Not Predator. Predators. Yeah, But, you know, and this is, it's just a bit odd. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've seen a few um, of M. Night Shyamalan's Blum, films mm. and, you know, Signs and Sixth Sense have got very big twists that everyone already knows. Mm. You know, like you mentioned, you you've, you haven't bothered seeing them because you know the yeah. twist. But I, I quite like those films. I think Signs is a good film, actually. Mm. It gets a bit... Interestingly, um, I learned the
1: twist from Signs by watching Jeff, who lives at home. Uh, the very, <laughs> okay. first, very first five minutes of Jeff, who lives yeah. at home, Jason Siegel's Jeff is right. talking into a dictaphone about um, signs and about the universe being connected and things like that. And mm-hmm. he actually talks about the end. So I'm like, right, well, I don't need to watch signs now either. Not,
3: um, I, I quite like signs. Signs is a very good the... film up till halfway through. Right. And then, you, then what happens is you see um, something. Okay. And then after that point, it just turns into this religious dirge, basically. And it's, okay. yeah. I remember, I remember going to see signs at the cinema,
2: and there is a moment where something. There is a, there is a walk past, I think is the best way yes. I describe that. And that is a genuinely chilling moment. Brilliant scene. And
3: yeah. then from there, it's all about anticlimactic, actually. It is, it goes downhill rapidly after that point. But, you yeah. know, I even like the happening. I think the happening is really. Cheesy B movie level film that because it just takes itself so seriously it is hilarious. No, it is <laughs> no, terrible. It is a terrible <laughs> film, uh, but I love it. I love how terrible it is.
0: I'm looking through his filmography, M'Night, and you've got all these <laughs> yeah. films like The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable Signs, The Village, The Happening. Stuart Little, he was a writer does. on. So that's, <laughs> that's thrown me completely. <laughs>
3: bit on <laughs> yeah but you know that. i think i think the village is an okay film it's not bad it's not as good as science or the first half of science anyway okay. and i didn't have as much fun watching it as i did when i was watching the happening because that just kept making me laugh um <laughs> interestingly his his new film this year
1: which is uh, um after earth oh yeah, and yeah. smith and Jaden yeah.
4: Smith. Yes. yeah
1: um interesting in that one they've they've given away what i thought was the twist of that in the trailer oh. uh have you seen the trailer for it? I've avoided it. Okay. I've seen, okay. I've seen it, I've but seen I can't it remember it. I have seen been to the cinema recently. Um, mm-hmm. There is a real. And in fact, I'm probably. No, sorry. It's in a trailer. I'm not giving too much away. It's in. It's in it's literally in the trailer. Um, but it, I'm not going to say exactly what it is, but it's a real Planet of the Apes style spoiler. And you know, like how the cover of Planet of the Apes how mm-hmm. it basically spoils the end of the film? Yes. But everyone, knows, <laughs> but everyone knows that that's. So you kind of get away with it because everyone knows that's the end of the because it becomes so famous, there is a Planet of the Apes-style spoiler right in the trailer. And I'm assuming... They spoil it quite... I'm assuming it's not the twist, but it felt like it should have been the twist to me. But I, I, I don't know if anyone else has seen the After Earth trailer.
4: I've
2: think... just, just looked it up on IMDb, and the storyline summary, written by Columbia Pictures
1: on IMDb, says where they crash land. Right, okay. So yeah. I, I don't me, think that's
0: meant to be a twist. The, way
1: the... The way the trailer plays out is, like, there's this big twist at the end. It's like, has he started inserting twists in his trailers now? That's, just, <laughs> that's getting a little bit sick. Yes. But, yeah, um, it but no, it, uh, like, it's, it's interesting, because I would say normally, I've done, I've had this conversation on a forum with someone recently, even saying a film has a twist is the spoiler in itself. Yeah. What you're doing is you're telling people that the film you're watching, things aren't all they seem. So they're looking out for twists. However, I do think with an M. Night Shyamalan film, that's what he does. It's like saying that a oh, Wes Craven film has got people being killed horribly in it. or So, yeah, the fact is, he does twists. So I think you're, we're fair enough to say that there before anyone um, writes in to complain. Go on, write in. Write in by post. I'd love that. Yeah.
3: So anyway, yeah, that's basically my review. I think it's quite a, a decent Decent enough film. It's got a good atmosphere to it, which I enjoyed. And I would like to re-watch it just to see if the twist has any uh, effect on the rest of it. But, um, yeah, that's it. Done. <laughs> Next.
0: <laughs> Next, then, is Jerry.
2: Okay, um, quickly want to talk about a couple of films I watched over our extended break uh, over the festive period. Uh, one is Magic Mike, which James talks about on here.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and Owen, I think, we do Owen reviewed that as well, yeah. But I think only me and Owen went to see it. Steve had oh, okay, some okay. excuse to avoid seeing oiled up men dance for money for some reason, Steve. It was a
0: good excuse. I can't <laughs> remember what it was now,
1: but it was... He didn't want to watch oiled up men dance?
0: No, I did actually have an excuse for that one. Dark Shadows, I couldn't be bothered to go and see. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. a <laughs> oh, Dark... great decision that was. <laughs> Dark Shadows, I just didn't go. Magic Mike, I had an excuse. I can't remember what okay. now, though. It was months ago.
2: Well, yeah, Magic Mike. Finally got around to watching it. Um, I agree with, with what we said, in that it was advertised as a totally different film to what it is.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And it is, it is quite gritty. You know, it, it looks at the the sort of underworld, the seedy
1: side of society. It's not a full Monty for America, is it? No, it, it's not. A real... Although the full Monty's actually quite gritty, come to think of it. But yeah. The full Monty's gritty
2: in sort of showing that industrial decline. Yeah
1: but this has got drugs and
2: yeah, this, lots of
1: sex. and this, this is money. about
2: the characters and, and, you know, their flaws. You know, the characters in, in Full Money are lovable guys who are a bit down on the look for, you know, the economy tanking, basically, and actually getting rid of industry. It's not like their fault, but these, these characters are, are flawed mm. and selfish and, you know, do drugs and, and get sucked into this life. And it it was, it was good. I mean, it was... The best way I can describe it is a solid six and a half out of ten film. In that, I didn't feel like I'd been robbed of my time or anything like that. It was enjoyable while I watched it, but it, it's not great. It didn't leave a too lasting an impression on me, and I probably wouldn't watch it again.
1: That seems fair. Yeah, I think yeah. that seems fair. I would say, and again, that was that was the start for me last year of taking Matthew McConaughey seriously as an actor, and I do think when he's on screen, the film really he's he's bizarre and he's uh, kind of peter pan-esque stripper that will never grow up character has got this malevolence bubbling underneath the surface and I, I i am really actually quite excited about seeing what matthew mcconaughey does next and that really shocks me i never thought i'd utter that sentence um, i'm looking forward to going to see the paper boy that's out that's a quite a weird looking film that's out later on this year i think with nicole kidman and uh john cusack as well i don't know if anyone's seen about the paper boy it's, it's kind of like southern death row camp drama or something like that it looks bizarre but yeah i'm i'm i think he i think mcconaughey's really good in it, and i do think channing tatum showed another layer to his acting ability because we found out he could do comedy in 21 Jump Street, and that took us massively by surprise. And I thought he was a genuinely quite charming screen presence in Magic Mike as well.
2: Yeah, and I thought um, Pettifer was good in it as well. Yeah. You know, as was the younger guy who looks remarkably like the lead singer of the Kings of Leon out of interest.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but,
3: yeah, it was some good turns in it. You know, yeah. it was strong. You're right,
1: it's nothing amazing. Um,
4: but,
3: it, yeah, it was certainly better than I expected yeah it's helped by the performances so they're probably yeah. the best thing about it i'd i'd yeah. say the, the, the story itself isn't anything special i don't think the romance is that genuine or believable and it does seem to have a formula which it kind of repeats on a 20 minute loop throughout the film yeah. which gets really annoying um, and true. predictable but the performances
1: in it I, you know I can't really criticise anyone in it and I don't also think. for anyone who grew up watching wrestling I'd, I I can't I'm kind of <laughs> a bit sad that I, I stopped watching wrestling I, I kind of want to start watching wrestling again but it's it's never going to be as good if I try watching it now but yeah you get to see um, Kevin Nash hmm. looking incredibly uncomfortable <laughs> and thinking I really need to speak to my agent how the hell have I ended up in this film on a number of occasions
2: yeah I mean I, it, it had the potential, as you say, to be a very mediocre, forgettable or bad mm-hmm. film. And it wasn't. I think that's to the, to the credit of the, yeah. the cast. But it wasn't equally. It wasn't great either. Yeah. The other film I watched um, was Friends with Kids, which is a forgettable rom to <laughs> <laughs> It was all right. They tried to go at it from a slightly different angle, which is always nice. It wasn't just, you know, single lady. In a 30s. That, that's
1: the one that we reviewed, or I think I reviewed on here last year at some point. We didn't have it as a main review, did we? No. No, no. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. I thought there were promising bits in it. It went on too long. Yeah. Definitely too long. It's another one of these two-hour rom-coms. We just don't
4: need that.
2: Um, it, it wasn't terrible. It was all right. The, yeah. the acting from the main two was, was relatively believable. Mm. Chris O'Dowd's accent was hilarious. Yeah. Otherwise, it was just fairly standard fare. You know, it wasn't the worst I've seen, but yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't great. Five Year Engagement was probably the best rom com that came out last year.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with
2: that. Uh, actually, the more I think about Five Year Engagement, the more it stands out compared to other rom coms. Not to say it's a great film.
0: I'm, I'm not a particular fan of rom coms, but that one was actually fairly enjoyable. But maybe it was down to Jason Segel, who I like in a lot of other things as well. It's quite.
1: And a delightful Emily Blunt. Oh.
3: You know, the more I see of her work, the more I actually think she's a really good actress. Mm. She's just doing yeah. something... I saw, every I, time... I saw young Victoria the other week, and mm. she's just brilliant in it. I think every time
0: I've seen her do a film, it's been something completely different to the last one I've seen mm. her in. She doesn't seem to be typecasting herself in any
4: particular. No,
2: she she's waiting for that kind of standout role where her role is the main focus and the iconic part of the film. Yeah, so I think mm-hmm. she puts in good performances in films like in Looper, she's really good, but yes. she doesn't stand out because you know the kid is the, is the outstanding performance or or Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the one that sticks in your mind, and she needs that kind of high-profile role, a bit like Jennifer Lawrence got with The Games, you know, that's, that's really going to stand out and and maybe be associated with her a bit too much. You know, you don't want to go down the Sigourney Weaver route of being Ripley for the rest of your career, but at the same time, she needs something that she can
3: really stake a claim with. I mean, in Young Victoria, she kind of proves that she can carry a film. It's just whether, you know, she'll get a chance in Hollywood to be the main part of it. It needs to be commercially
2: successful as well with her carrying the film, if that makes sense.
0: Uh, That's me done, Steve. That's you you done.
2: Uh, What did you watch this week, Steve?
0: Me? I watched um, a lot of football and (laughs) uh, a lot of television programmes, but not really worth reviewing for us. So James has got somewhat an exclusive review. (laughs) It's actually like we're a proper critic who's been to see a film before it's actually out for the general public, before the riffraff.
1: I know. I managed, to, I managed to give you, you know, a kind of pre-review of the sessions last week, and uh, this week I can now break my embargo on Steven Spielberg's multi-nominated Lincoln, which again I saw at the UK Cinema Showcase uh, a week ago today. And you know what? I was a bit dreading it. It's two and a half hours. It's Spielberg. It's Hollywood. And the other thing was, it seems so obviously Oscar baiting. It's about, you know, America's, one of America's favourite presidents, uh, the one that no one would, no Republican or Democrat will speak ill of uh, about, you know, the abolition of slavery. It's very, you know, it's a very worthy cause. And so I was thinking, oh, God, no. And it, and I don't want to watch this. And it's
0: and it's starring, like, the Oscars like, yeah. most favourite actor ever.
1: Although, you know, that was the one thing that, actually, for me, had it had going for it, was that at least I get to watch Daniel Day-Lewis do his stuff. Do we know if he did
2: anything crazy for this, by the way? Did he like... You know this? Uh,
1: yeah, he, um, he did spend... He, he changed his diet to a kind of diet of what they would be eating at the time. I think he wore the same kind of underwear. He, he did do... He properly immersed himself.
3: Yeah, didn't he stay in character for, like, the um, whole Yeah, time, um,
1: was. it was quite... Yeah, all the pool sheets at the beginning of the day were list um so actors who need to be on set that day, he was it was Mr. Lincoln is needed on set and things like that. He was very method. But do you know what? I I actually enjoyed it. I I did really enjoy this film. What I will say is it is not a biopic Lincoln and the title in itself is quite misleading and I'm assuming that was a marketing gimmick. Uh, an awards baiting gimmick because it isn't actually about Lincoln as such, but it actually only spans about three months, the story, and it is pure. It's, it's a political procedural film. It's, it's politics and legal, uh, policy and things like that. It's basically, it starts while the civil war is at its peak. And it is about Lincoln's desperate attempt to get the 13th Amendment, which basically abolishes slavery, um, put on the Constitution. And that's it. And it's about getting the uh, enough votes in the Senate. Um, I think it might be the House of Representatives. Yeah, House of Representatives to, to make that happen. And, and that's literally, it's literally what the film is about. It is not about him growing up. It's not about him killing... Uh, vampires um, so it, t- it takes place zombies. it takes uh, place no, no, after no, the
0: vampire killing um it's it's after that point in his life after exactly, the
1: vampire yeah it's yeah. yeah. moved long beyond that now. right um it's even after gettysburg uh but it's really interesting and yeah daniel day lewis you forget as is his way you forget it's daniel day lewis within 3 minutes of him being on Twitter he is abraham lincoln which is weird cuz obviously I've never seen abraham lincoln talk but he just you, you Well, no, that is Abraham Lincoln, though. It, and it's not caricatured. It's a beautifully measured performance. And it's great because he plays Lincoln as this character. And anyone who's seen the West Wing will kind of identify with this. He plays it. This is my second favorite ever president I've ever seen on screen, apart from Jeb Barks from the West Wing. And he has this folksy charm to him. And every time there's people arguing. He's got like a story or an anecdote or some kind of parable to tell people. And he's just a really quiet, folksy man. Now, a lot I know a lot of people have been a bit disappointed because he isn't big, shouty Daniel Plainview or um, what's his name from Gangs of New York. Can't remember the the butcher. Butcher, butcher Bill. Butcher Bill. Um, this is a far more reserved, introspective performance, but it's still fantastic. Um, he, he he really does carry this film, because it is two and a half hours. Um, as you'd expect from Spielberg, there's a lot of brilliant period detail. It definitely, you yeah, know, there's some grand sweeping epic shots. Um, the It starts off with uh, a Civil War battle, which is like a massive pub brawl. It's really, it, and it shook me, and I thought, actually, no, that probably is what it would have been like. It wouldn't have all been dramatic, like, Killing mo- It's basically people just treading each other's faces into dirt in the rain. It's quite a gritty beginning. Um, there are some really good performances backing up Daniel Day Lewis in this. Um, we, there's a lot of people with three initials in this. So you've got uh, you've got DDL, you've got uh, TLJ, Tommy Lee Jones. You've got uh, JGL, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. It's it's a it's packed with great performances. Sally Field plays Abraham Lincoln's wife. Her part is hugely written actually it's a very male dominated film one of my favorite performances is from james spader who plays uh a, log- a 19th century lobbyist essentially and he is like the greasy man who gets votes bought and lincoln does decide i'm going to buy votes for jobs um and that is kind of, and it's it does turn into a really pretty idealistic political drama much in the same way as mr smith goes to washington with Jimmy stewart or um you know all the ides of march quite recently yeah it is it's more that type of film than it is a biopic of lincoln and for me it's a better film for it it gave me a real insight into what was happening it's like a really big budget educational history program basically Uh, and For me, it was great, but I can understand why a lot of people are saying it was boring, it was flat, it was colourless, because it didn't have massive Civil War battles. It didn't have um, the Gettysburg Address and things like that. It was literally, this is about a man trying to get something through the Senate. (laughs) Yeah, it, it. and when you put it that way, yeah, it's not going to be that interesting to a huge amount of people. So I do think that some of the poor reviews understandably have been because of that, because it's not the film they were expecting. And it is certainly isn't the type of film that everyone will enjoy. Me, however, I loved it because it was a two-and-a-half-hour politics lesson with Daniel Day-Lewis delivering a fantastic performance in the middle of it. So if that is your kind of film, I think you'll like it, but don't go expecting big, huge, epic film because it is far from that. Um I also don't think it is... It seems to be everyone's favourites for a lot of awards at the Oscars. Having seen it now, and having seen it with other critics and listening to people, and I, I, I really don't think it's as locked in to win things like Best Picture as everyone seems to think. It's just not that type of film. It, it's a very good film. It's a very technically proficient film, but it isn't big sweeping epic film at all. And I do think it it's going to. I, I, just don't think it's the big favorite that everyone thinks it is come the oscars which is really good for my bet on Argo now. I'm I'm a bit happier with that. Um and I'm tempted to put a bet on Les Miserables now. I've got I think I've got 5 left in my betting account. I'm tempted to stick a punt on that because I am now I, I enjoyed Lincoln but probably for the wrong reasons for it to win best picture.
0: Oh uh about Les Mis, I was watching a, a quiz show last night and some northern bloke did actually refer to Les, Mis- as Les Miserables. I thought nice. you'd like. I thought you'd like that, James.
1: <laughs> no. <Nice. clears throat> oh. um, which quiz show was that?
0: It was that rubbish one that was on before they draw the lottery numbers.
1: Oh right, yeah, yeah. I've got an audition to go on the quiz show on Friday. I'm probably not podcast worthy. F- Sorry.
4: I, I hope just- it's pointless.
1: I- I've got an audition for Pointless. Brilliant. Yes. <laughs> oh, <what's up>?
0: <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> pointless is brilliant. Down.
1: Yes, it is. Are it you is. going on with Kate? No, I'm uh, going on with my mate Ralph, who is a uh, a, a big shout out to my mate Ralph, um, who is a kind of TV quiz show veteran. Um, he was a 4 time winner on Countdown. He's been on fifteen to once. So you know, I've, I've I've got I feel I've he, got my he body covered. There. He wasn't an octo champ um, then. No, he wasn't no. an octo champ. Uh, no, no, you got no a chance. Loser.
0: What a loser, yeah. <laughs> Ralph? You're pathetic. <laughs> Uh, which which era of Countdown was he in?
1: Um, it would have been, hang on, let me think. It would have been about 2000, 2001. Um, so it was Richard Whiteley. He, he was a Richard Whiteley Countdown. In the heyday. Uh, yeah, he, he met Richard and he met Carol. Yes. Yeah, he was, he was classic era Countdown. Right. And he dreamt the conundrum. He dreamt the conundrum the night before. And so he got a modicum of um, local newspaper fame. He went on The Big Breakfast because he dreamt the conundrum the night before and then it came up the next day. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> what an exciting this, this, life. This is all pod gold, this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, let's do
0: Django Unchained right. now, then. James, we would like to introduce our film review of the week.
1: Yes. Um, so, Django Unchained, the return to cinema screens of Quentin Tarantino. Um, Django Unchained is it's, it's kind of inspired by some 60s uh, westerns uh, starring a black. Uh, and hero called Django. Uh, Django is Jamie Fox. He is a slave at the beginning of the film. He is freed by Christoph Waltz, bounty hunter, and they decide to go and win back Django's wife from plantation owner uh, Monsieur Candy, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And it's long. <laughs> Sorry, it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah. W- well, what did everyone else think of it?
3: Absolutely loved it. Seriously, my favourite film I've seen this year. Didn't How like it. How many films have you seen this year, Owen? <laughs> uh, 45 at last kink.
0: That's like over two a day.
3: Yeah. I <laughs> watched 450 last year. That's quite a lot as well, isn't
1: it? I was, I was, until this week, keeping up at one a day. And then Owen just shits on that. <laughs> Do you work yeah, from no. home or something, Owen?
3: Uh, no. You are employed? I did <laughs> on Friday, because we got snowed in. And <laughs> I had to miss going to see... Uh, like pre booked tickets for Jangle Unchained on the opening day, which I was gutted about. But so, ironically, working from home makes Owen watch less films than usual. Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right. So, yeah, Owen liked it. I didn't like it, just really not got on with it, which is strange because I like pretty much everything else that Tarantino's done.
1: I find that interesting. I, I really enjoyed it. Bits of it was some of my favorite Tarantino since Pulp Fiction. Bits of it, I didn't... My main issue is with the last half hour of the film, which I think is needless, pointless, and self-indulgent. I, I loved it. It was a 9 out of 10 film at about the 2 hour 10 mark for me. And then I just... I, yeah, I, I've got issues with the last half hour.
2: I don't know how else you would have ended it, would you? No, I I, I agree with Jerry. It well, we can't really
1: go into it, but I don't know yeah. if we would have ended it to avoid that last half hour. I, I think, I, I think you could have had the last ten minutes. That that last half hour just felt really bloated and anticlimactic to me. But then I really liked the last five minutes, last five ten minutes. And if there was a way to stitch those further back, I just didn't. I also didn't like um Quentin Tarantino's cameos and Australian slavery. <laughs> Shit, yeah. Australian accent, yeah. <laughs> Which was part of that last half hour, which didn't help.
2: No, I mean overall, I thought it was—I really, really enjoyed it. Mm. And I'm not sure where I will place it on the list of Tarantino films, which says it all about the strength of his, you know, his back catalogue. But it, I thought it was fantastic. It was really well done, and it was some of his films. The stylish violence doesn't quite fit with some of the other stuff. Do you know what I mean? And maybe it makes other things up cheap, like Kill Bill. It's very desensitising do you know what I mean that there's a deliberate effect where he's trying to you know make you think that the violence isn't as important as it is yeah it's so overblown and stylish and this there was some serious gore in this film I mean oh yeah shot and it fires off them yeah <laughs> big chunks come out of them and everything
1: yeah and and you know it wasn't just the gunplay there. I think there is a scene that a lot of people will have struck about the, uh, with two slaves fighting which yes, is yeah, yeah. one of the most horrible scenes. Of yeah. Time. But um, what I was going to say, is, but it's actually, but it's important in the context of the film. It is not gratuitous. It's horrible. Mm. Um, and other directors would have shown less, but actually it's, it's, it's perfectly, And I think Tarantino himself has said and admitted what happened to slaves is a lot worse than what he shows in his film. And I think that's an important thing to remember. Yeah. He's not, He's not making. He's not. It's not for titillation, and he's not exaggerating it for entertainment's sake. Actually, he's toned down a lot of what would have happened think, in real, real life.
2: The important thing is with with the way he does the violence. Is as you say, there's several key scenes. One of them isn't violent, but it's just horrible. Mm. Um, you know where someone is, and there's yeah. there's one um, which involves a musketeer named slave. Let's put it that yeah. way. And there's the fight which has made a lot of headlines. And all of those things which are the most sort of brutal elements of the the slavery aspect of it, not necessarily you know the bounty hunting side of it, but the parts that are really about violence and slavery, Mm -hmm. they're done with less
4: sort of style, if you Mm -hmm. I mean, than the the the
2: the one scene, the the, the musketeer scene, shall we call it, that's actually quite understated. There wasn't a lot that you saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah, today in flashback, and that was
1: really. And there's no comedy to it either. You know, it was handled, I thought, quite sensitively considering mm. how violent it is. Unlike some of the gunfights, which oh, were funny. hilarious. In yes, like at one point, some woman gets blown back twenty feet. Despite <laughs> the fact, she was shot from the top of some <laughs> yeah. stairs, and it's like no, that's just funny. Yeah, um,
3: there were a lot of visual gags throughout the whole film, aren't there? I mean, yeah. everything from just the costume that he. He chooses when he becomes a free man. and yeah. Which actually, is... have you seen,
1: is, um, is a cinematic geek reference. Um, when, there when, is a film okay. by F.W. Murnau, who oh, yeah. directed Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. He did a film called The Blue Boy, where the main character wore exactly that costume that Django chooses when he becomes a free man. Oh, wow. um, and F.W. Murnau created... He invented dollies. And so he invented what was known at the time as Cinema Unchained, which is, that is, I, I love that. Yeah. And clearly Tarantino did that on purpose. and that mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I absolutely.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello, Fresh! Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner
0: party started.
1: You love that bastard. He's
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't... he's a crazy man. Yeah. Um. I mean, I assume everything he does in this film, every little minute detail is on purpose, you know. Yeah. You know, the, the opening music is brilliant as well because that's a yeah. the, the ref, the direct reference to the original you exactly. know, Louis Bakalov. Uh, There's
2: there one usage of hip-hop as well, which made me laugh out loud because it was yeah. incongruous, but it was
1: done for sort of comedic effect, really. Yeah. Exactly. And he's always done that. He's always... And and I, I think the soundtrack is, a, again, another brilliant thing. And um, I've seen a few comments of people saying he could have had this film wonderfully scored and stuff like that. But do you know what? This is how Tarantino makes films. If you don't like how Tarantino makes films, then just don't watch them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of... Everything I loved about this film is everything I love about Tarantino. Um, and... But I thought, my, my personally, it was his strongest story. It was his strongest narrative since Jackie Brown. I think Steve um, would have an issue with that.
0: Hmm. I just don't... I think the performances were good. I think the characters yeah. were good. But I just think the story kind of dragged and didn't really... I didn't feel any tension or anything like that throughout the story like I did in things like Inglorious Bastards or Pulp Fiction where some f- f- scenes are really tense. And you're expecting mm. something to happen, and there's a payoff. I just didn't feel any of that throughout the film. I just, it didn't really grab my focus at all, with the plot. But I thought the characters were good, or most mm. of the characters were good, especially Samuel L. Jackson's one. And the, yeah. the performance. I
1: didn't realise it was Samuel L. Jackson for half an hour. <laughs> <one>. Because <But laughs> I, I mentioned something about, we were watching, it, I said, um, I said afterwards, did you know that uh, apparently Leonardo DiCaprio had real issues? He had real kind of personal dilemma about the language that his character was using uh and about just about his character and it was jamie Fo- and i said and jamie fox and samuel L. jackson kind of talked him through it and told him no you know that you need to do this and, th- and she was like well that was samuel L. jackson <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he but, looks so old <laughs> he
3: does but the, the interesting point about they use the, the language because the n-word is used like
0: just, a lot yeah.
3: It's, I, want, I want to say flippantly, like it's used every sentence, but it's not flippant at all. The, I mean, the every M- time it's used, it's it, it's got a purpose. It's used
1: by it. someone who would have used it. That's the thing. Yes. And yeah.
0: the end bomb is going off everywhere.
2: At first, yeah. as well, it's very shocking and you're very yes. taken aback. And particularly when the sort of you know, with that wanting to make it sound too crude, when white people are saying it to black people, you're very much. Oh. You know, yeah. you have a bit of a shock, but it's amazing how quickly you get desensitized to it as well because it becomes yeah. part of their, their way of speaking, just like they use sort of slightly archaic language because it's
4: yeah.
2: 1850s. It becomes part of it. And, and when you stop
3: and realize that, that's another thing this film's trying to do to you. It's
4: mm-hmm. yeah, trying to make is you
3: realize it. this, this well, was fucking normal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not sure it, it, it's right to say it kind of you get desensitized to it, but I do understand what you mean. It, it becomes you very less shocked. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Every time it's used, though, I still think it's, it, you know, like I say, it's used with a purpose. Every time someone says it to somebody else, it's not just in a, you know, just off-the-cuff kind of remark. It's used to to drive home this point that, that Tarantino seems to be banging on about in every interview, and in that he wants to drive this discussion on on racism and, and slavery in America. And uh, mm. so I think it's, it's you know, it, it, it's not that you get desensitized to it, it's just that it... You get used to it. I think. Yeah,
2: I, I don't. I, I don't do... mean that it's not shocking. It's just, mm, yeah, it, it quickly becomes... quickly so
1: right, become. <laughs> I didn't think the film had turned you racist. Um, I do <laughs> just want to go back to the point I made about the story, though, because I do, I do really like Inglorious Bastards, but I, I preferred this to Inglorious Bastards, and one of those reasons is for for a while actually, and it was the same with Kill Bill One and Two, which I love, I, and I I will defend to the death uh, my right to like Kill Bill Two. Um, I don't see a problem with Kill Bill 2. I don't know Yeah, no, good, I'm glad, I'm glad. Um, but for a long time, for a number of films, Tarantino seems to have made a series of great scenes interconnected into a film. And I, I think that is very true of Inglourious Bastards. Inglourious Bastards has four or five brilliant scenes, and then there's some nonsense in between, bloody Mike Myers and stuff like that. Um, and I, I, I still love it, but this actually felt, far more mature and it felt like he'd actually sat down and written a story for the mm-hmm. first time in a long time. And it was there were still a couple of great scenes. There's the the kind of almost the opening scene of um Christoph Waltz coming across yes. uh the, the Speck brothers and freeing Django in that it that is that's a classic Tarantino scene. In fact those first few scenes of Django and um Schultz getting to know each other Oh, oh, there's some brilliant scenes, and, and there Christoph is the Boltz scene is
2: brilliant in it as well. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. yeah,
1: superb. And there's the scene with the Ku Klux Klan and the hoods, that. which did just feel, which I loved, but it was literally he'd written a funny with, scene and stuck it in the with film Jonah or, Hill's yeah. cameo. Yes, Jonah Hill's cameo. Yes, exactly. And that's a brilliant. But for most of the film, for me, I was following it far more as a story than I have a lot of his films for a long time. Like I say, since Jackie Brown, I think, was the last time it felt like he'd written a fully-fledged, mature film rather than put together a series of scenes. could couple of points had. to
2: that. I mean, I think, one, it works so well in terms of the story because the characters and the acting performances are so yep. strong and you really care about them. But secondly, um, interestingly enough, like my girlfriend isn't into violent films at all. Mm. You know, she she doesn't like action films. She doesn't like violent things. But she likes a lot of Tarantino films. And Mm. I was asking her about this because she liked Django. She really liked Django as well. And I was like, well, you know, you don't like violent films. And she said, well, it's because in a lot of action films and a lot of things, there isn't a story. I don't care. But with Tarantino films, I always care. Mm. It's interesting that even people always talk about the violence in Tarantino films and, you know, there's a lot of
4: controversy, and particularly the earlier ones, it's mm-hmm. become a bit more, yeah. bit more normal
2: now. But particularly the yeah. people focus on the violence, but there is always a very, very strong story in the back
4: of it. Yeah.
1: But I do, I, I, can't help feeling that after Jackie Brown, he lost his way a little bit, was stuff. and I still loved his films for what they were. Um But like I say, for the first two and a bit hours of this, this was my favourite Tarantino film since Jackie Brown. Uh, and po- quite possibly my favourite Tarantino film since Pulp Fiction. I, I just I didn't buy the last half hour as much. It was just personal, I think. But um, but you, you mentioned Christoph Waltz, um, who is brilliant in this, and the way he delivers some Tarantino uh, lines. Um, yeah, you know, I know Owen written a review about it. Uh, which talks about Christoph Waltz being Tarantino's new muse. And I I totally agree, I think. And I hope they do more work together. And I'm now even more gutted that Christoph Waltz isn't going to be in the next Muppet film. That's (laughs) a massive missed opportunity now. But yeah, Waltz is... He is the best thing about this film. Just ahead of Leonardo DiCaprio. I was going to
3: say, yeah, amazing. it's between him and DiCaprio, isn't it? I mean, I love Jamie Fox in this. I think Jamie yeah. Foxx is probably going to be overshadowed. Fox- very and understated.
1: Slightly, but... Yeah.
3: Yeah, but DiCaprio is just so awesome. I mean, yeah. maybe "awesome" is the wrong. No, "awesome" in the in the correct sense. Of yeah, name, actually, you know, yeah. You,
1: you know, you have a sense of awe in watching yeah. him. Um, yeah. and it is a proper. And we I talked about Daniel Day Lewis earlier. Actually, this is a bit like Daniel Day Lewis in his. Shouty Daniel Plainview type, you know it is a really extrovert, balls out, out there performance from cat It's a very brave performance as well, because thinking of the type of person he is portraying, and he yeah. fully commits himself to that role. That's that's brave acting.
3: It is. Uh, I mean, he's you're used to seeing him as a, a this se- sort of serious, dramatic hero as well, often yeah. kind of like a flawed hero, but yeah. never the bad guy. And yeah, to see him just fully get involved in this as monsieur calvin candy yeah. just it's really refreshing i thought yeah. and, it shows and
1: also got... um samuel L. jackson is yeah. an absolutely vile character in this um and th- again that must have been a difficult character uh mm. to portray especially considering the kind of cultural baggage that comes with the character of being the house n-word um it was, it, it, yeah. It was quite interesting. Apparently, it's the first time in 14 years that DiCaprio has been in a film and not had top billing, um, oh, yeah. which is, which is, and I thought, God, yeah. And you think back, yeah, actually, he, mm. he. And then it made me think, God, DiCaprio has been big for a long time now, and, uh, yeah. and yeah, he's he's fantastic in this. There's some great dialogue. I, I, I do want to watch it again, and that's that's an important thing. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing this film again. And I'm just slightly disappointed. I think this could have been my favourite film of the year, but I don't think it will be, no.
4: No,
1: At one point, point it was heading towards already being my favourite film of the year, and it just didn't quite get over the finish line for me. It's going to take some beating
2: for me, but I'm Mm -hmm. quite interested to see. Steve, come on, level with us, Steve.
1: Where is it going to be on your list?
0: <laughs> I, I don't know i haven't seen every film south of this year yet it's only, Jan- it's only january
1: <laughs> it's, it's in it's in steve's top 10 at the moment yeah it's in my top 10 at the
0: moment <laughs> there's a long way to do go we,
3: do we think then about jamie fox because um you know we talked about christopher waltz and uh christoph waltz not christopher yeah. waltz and uh dicaprio we know he was gonna vol was originally written for will smith do you think we could see Will Smith in that role instead of Fox, or is it just absolutely Jamie Foxx's role
0: now? I could have seen Will Smith doing it. I don't
3: know. That's because Steve thinks all black people. are. <laughs> um, I don't
1: know whether Will Smith would have been too much Will Smith in that role. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Jamie he, uh, Christoph Waltz provides the the colour in that mm-hmm. relationship. He and Jamie Fox is very much the straight man. and not. I, I'm not sure I want to see Will Smith be the straight man, to be honest. I, l- I like Will Smith being Will Smith. Yeah. Um,
3: I think he would have probably commanded a bit too much screen time mm, as well. Yeah. You know, I know it's Tarantino and he does everything his own way, but you know, this is like one of the biggest Hollywood mm. actors that, that's around. So I don't yeah. know. I think I, I, I liked Fox in it and I, I wouldn't like to see anyone else in that role. I think he was—he's just nailed it absolutely. It's like it's been written for him, even though it hasn't. You know, there,
1: there were, there were actually quite strong elements of uh, Clint Eastwood. Actually, I saw a yes. lot of yeah, yeah. Clint Eastwood in Jamie Fox's performance—that very strong, silent, basically just being physically present on screen. Mm.
2: They had him in, um, the, um in the Man with No Name outfit as well yes
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that that was a nice touch as well um yeah I, yeah I, I i did genuinely enjoy it I, did, I but i do and the other this is the first film that i i noticed i don't know if it's because i thought before i watched it about it's the first film since um Salamanca. Um, the person who's edited all of Tarantino's films, she died last year, and she didn't have anything to do with this film. There were a couple of weird editing choices. I thought a couple, a couple of times where it jumped a little bit too much. It didn't feel quite as natural. and I, I'll be yeah. honest, it's a bit lazy. I've not actually seen who's edited this. I don't know if Tarantino's had a much bigger role in editing this. Um, but a couple of times it didn't quite flow as smoothly as some of his old work did. Um, but, but, it, do you know what? No, what I love about this film is that no one makes films like this at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Someone, even if, you know, and even for people who didn't like it and say, you know, Steve didn't enjoy it that much, um, the fact is, it wasn't formulaic. It wasn't, but, you know, there, it's not, it wasn't boring in the sense that it's like everything else out there. There, there, there is nothing like. A Tarantino film out there. I, I think probably only in South Korea are they making films like Quentin Tarantino. But in in the Western world, no one makes films like him. And this is another example of the fact that you cannot imagine anyone else having made this film like it or love it. it it's it's unique, and I think that's I think that we need to remember that and we need to celebrate that as well.
0: And that's probably a good place to end for this week. Oh. Um, what's up <laughs> next week?
1: Uh, Next week, we uh, induct our second recipient of The Corridor praise, and it's the big man. He returns on Friday, and currently on Rotten Tomatoes, his comeback film The Last Stand still has 100% positive reviews from critics. From
0: how many reviews?
1: Uh, That was from 19 last time I checked from genuine, from like proper critics as well. The Last Stand is out on Friday, Arnie's return, and Arnie will be inducted into our Corridor of Praise next week. We'll be talking all things Arnie. Excellent.
0: Um, <laughs> well, that's all for this week, then. Thank you for listening. Hope you'll be back next week. And thank you for everyone who contributed to the podcast and the website. And thanks to Kevin MacLeod from incompetech.com for the music.
2: was Friends with Kids, which is a forgettable rom-com to some point. <laughs> it was all right. They tried to go at it from a slightly different angle, which is always nice. It wasn't just, you know, single lady in a theatre. That's that's
1: the one that we reviewed, or I think I reviewed on here last year at some point. We didn't have it as a main review, did we? No. No, no. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. I thought there were promising bits in it. It went on too long. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's another one of these two-hour romcoms. We just don't need that.
2: Um, it, it wasn't terrible. It was all right. The, yeah. the acting from the main two was was relatively believable. Mm. Chris O'Dowd's accent was hilarious. Yeah. Otherwise, it was just fairly standard fare. You know, it wasn't the worst I've seen, but yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't great. Yeah. Five Year Engagement was probably the best romcom that came out last year.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with
2: that. Uh, Actually, the more I think about Five Year Engagement, the more it stands out compared to other rom-coms. That's not to say it's a great film.
1: I'm I'm not
0: a particular fan of rom-coms, but that one was actually fairly enjoyable. But maybe it was down to Jason Segel, who I like in a lot of other things as well. He's quite...
3: And
1: a delightful Emily Blunt.
3: The more I see of her work, the more I actually think she's a really good actress. Mm. She's just doing something... I saw saw young Victoria the other week, and she's Mm. just brilliant in it. I think every time
0: I've seen her do a film, it's been something completely different to the last one I've seen Mm. her in. She doesn't seem to be typecasting herself in any particular.
4: No,
2: she she's waiting for that kind of standout role where her role is the main focus and the iconic part of the film. Yeah, so I think mm-hmm. she puts in good performances in films like in Looper. She's really good, but yes. she doesn't stand out because you know the kid is the, is the outstanding performance, or or Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the one that sticks in your mind. And she needs that kind of high-profile role, a bit like Jennifer Lawrence got with The Games. You know, that's that's really going to stand out, and and maybe be associated with her a bit too much Mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to go down the Sigourney Weaver route of being Ripley for the rest of your career but at the same time she needs something that she can really
3: stake a claim with I mean in Young Victoria she kind of proves that she can carry a film, it's just whether you know she'll get a chance in Hollywood to to be the main part of it It needs to be commercially
2: successful as well with her carrying the film if that makes sense
0: uh, that's me done, Steve. That's, Come you, on. that's you done. Uh, what did you this week, Steve? Me, I watched um, a lot of football and <laughs> uh, a lot of television programmes, but not really worth reviewing for us. So James has got somewhat an exclusive review. <laughs> it's actually like we're a proper critic who's been to see a film before it's actually out for the general public oh. before the riffraff.
1: I know. I managed, to, I managed to give you, you know, a kind of pre review of the sessions last week, and uh, this week I can now break my embargo on Steven Spielberg's multi-nominated Lincoln, which again I saw at the UK Cinema Showcase uh, a week ago today. And you know what? I, I was a bit dreading it. It's two and a half hours. It's Spielberg. It's Hollywood. And the other thing was, it seems so obviously Oscar It's about you know America's one of America's favorite presidents, uh, the one that no one would, no Republican or Democrat will speak ill of. Uh, about you know the abolition of slavery. It's very you know it's a very worthy cause, and so I was thinking, oh god, no, and, and I don't want to watch this. And it's
0: and it's starring like the Oscars, like yeah. most favorite actor ever.
1: Although you know that was the one thing that actually, for me had it had going for it was that. At least I get to watch Daniel Day-Lewis do his stuff. Do we know He's, if he did
2: anything crazy for this, by the way? Did he like... You know, all uh, yeah, he,
1: um, he did apples. spend... He, he changed his diet to a kind of diet of what they would be eating at the time. I think he wore the same kind of underwear. He, he did do... He properly immersed himself. Yeah,
3: didn't he stay in character for like... The um, whole yeah, time, um,
1: was. it was quite... Yeah, all the pool sheets at the beginning of the day well, um so actors who need to be on set that day. He was, it was Mr. Lincoln is needed on set and things like that. He was very method. But do you know what? I I actually enjoyed it. I I did really enjoy this film. What I will say is, it is not a biopic of Lincoln, and the title in itself is quite misleading. And I'm assuming that was a marketing gimmick, uh, an awards baiting gimmick, because it isn't actually about. Lincoln as such. But it actually only spans about three months, the story. And it is pure it's it's a political procedural film. It's it's politics and legal uh policy and things like that. It's basically it starts while the civil war is at its peak and it is about Lincoln's desperate attempt to get the Thirteenth Amendment, which basically abolishes slavery um, put on the constitution and that's it. And it's about getting the uh, enough votes in the Senate. Um, I think it might be the house of representatives. Yeah. House of representatives to, to make that happen. And and that's literally, it's literally what the film is about. It is not about him growing up. It's not about him killing, uh, vampires. um, So it it takes place. It takes Uh, place after after
0: the vampire killing. Um, it's, it's after that point in his life after the vampire.
1: Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Moved long beyond that. Right. Um, it's even after Gettysburg, uh, but it's really interesting. And yeah, Daniel Day Lewis, you forget, as is his way, you forget it's Daniel Day Lewis within three minutes of him being on it. He is Abraham Lincoln, which is weird because obviously I've never seen Abraham Lincoln talk, but he just, you go, you know, well, no, that is Abraham Lincoln, though. It, and it's not caricatured, it's a beautifully measured performance. And it's great because he plays Lincoln as this character and anyone who's seen the West Wing will kind of identify with this. He plays it. This is my second favorite ever president I've ever seen on screen apart from Jeb Barks from the West Wing. And he has this folksy charm to him. And every time there's people arguing, he's got like a story or an anecdote or some kind of parable to tell people. And he's just a really quiet folksy man. Now, a lot, I know a lot of people have been a bit disappointed because he isn't big shouty Daniel Plainview. Or, um what's his name from gangs of new York can't remember the the butcher right. butcher bill butcher bill um d- this is a far more reserved int- introspective performance, but it's still fantastic um it, he he really does carry this film because it is two and a half hours um as you'd expect from spielberg there's a lot of brilliant period detail it definitely you yeah, know there's some grand sweeping epic shots um the it starts off with uh a civil war battle which is like a massive pub brawl it's really and it shook me and i thought actually no that probably is what it would have been like it wouldn't have all been dramatic like killing moot it's basically people just treading each other's faces into dirt in the rain it's quite a gritty beginning um there are some really good performances backing up Daniel Day-Lewis in this um we there's a lot of people with three initials in this so you've got uh, you've got DDL you've got uh, TLJ Tommy Lee Jones you've got uh, JGL uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt it's it's a it's packed with great performances Sally Field plays Abraham Lincoln's wife her part is not hugely written actually it's a very male dominated film one of my favorite performances is from James Spader who plays uh a a nineteenth-century lobbyist, essentially, and he is like the greasy man who gets votes bought. And Lincoln does decide, I'm going to buy votes for jobs, um, and that kind of. And it's it does turn into a really gritty, idealistic political drama, much in the same way as Mister Smith goes to Washington with Jimmy Stewart, or um, you know all the Ides of March, quite recently. Yeah, it's it's more that type of film than it is a biopic of Lincoln, and. For me, it's a better film for it. It gave me a real insight into what was happening. It's like a really big budget educational history program, basically. And for me, it was great, but I can understand why a lot of people are saying it was boring, it was flat, it was colourless, because it didn't have massive Civil War battles. It didn't have um, the Gettysburg Address and things like that. It was literally, this is about a man trying to get something through the senate yeah it it, and when you put it that way yeah it's not going to be that interesting to a huge amount of people so I do think that some of the poor reviews understandably have been because of that because it's not the film they were expecting and it is certainly isn't the type of film that everyone will enjoy me however i loved it because it was two and a half hour politics lesson with daniel day lewis delivering a fantastic performance in the middle of it so if that is your kind of film, I think you'll like it, but don't go expecting big, huge, epic film because it is far from that. Um, I also don't think it is... It, it seems to be everyone's favourites for a lot of awards at the Oscars, having seen it now and having seen it with other critics and listening to people. and the, I, I, I really don't think it's as locked in to win things like Best Picture as everyone seems to think. It's just not that type of film. It, it's a very good film. It's a very technically proficient film, but it isn't big, sweeping, epic film at all. And I do think it, it's going to... I, I just don't think it's the big favourite that everyone thinks it is come the Oscars, which is really good for my bet on Argo now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a bit happier with that. Um, and I'm tempted to put a bet on Les Miserables now. I have got, I think I've got a fiver left in my betting account. I'm tempted to stick a punt on that, because I'm now... I, I enjoyed Lincoln, but probably for the wrong reasons for it to win Best Picture.
0: Oh. Uh, about Les Mis, I was watching a, a quiz show last night, and some northern bloke did actually refer to Les Mis as Les Miserables. I thought nice. like, I thought you'd <laughs> like that, James.
1: No, nice. oh. oh. which quiz show was that?
0: It was that rubbish one that was on before they draw the lottery numbers.
1: Oh, right, yeah, yeah. I've got an audition to go on the quiz show on Friday. I'm probably not podcast-worthy, I've, sorry.
4: I hope it's Pointless.
1: I'm, I'm, I've got an audition for Pointless. Brilliant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant.
4: Excellent.
0: Pointless is I'll brilliant. Go.
1: Yes, it is. Are it you is. going on with Kate? No, I'm uh, going on with my mate Ralph, who is a uh, a, a big shout-out to my mate Ralph, um, who is a kind of TV quiz show veteran. Um, he was a four-time winner on Countdown. He's been on fifteen to one. So you know, I've got, I've, I've got I feel I've he, got my he covered. Back. He wasn't an octo champ um, then. No, he wasn't no. an octo champ. No, uh, no got, you got no chance. Loser.
0: What a loser, yeah. <laughs> Ralph! You're pathetic. Uh, which which era of Countdown was he in?
1: Um, it would have been. Hang on, let me think. It would have been about two thousand, two thousand and one. Um, so it was Richard Whiteley. He, he was a Richard Whiteley Countdown in the heyday. Uh, yeah, he met Richard and he met Carol. Yes, yeah, he was he was classic era Countdown, right? And he dreamt the conundrum. He dreamt the conundrum the night before, and so he got a modicum of um, local newspaper fame. He went on the Big Breakfast because he dreamt the conundrum the night before, and then it came up the next day. There you go. <laughs> what an exciting this, this, life! Is, this is all Pod Gold. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, let's do Django
0: on Chain right. now. Then, James, we would got like to introduce our film review of the week.
1: Yes. Uh, so Django Unchained, the return to cinema screens of Quentin Tarantino. Um Django Unchained is it's it's kind of inspired by some sixties uh westerns uh starring a black uh and hero called Django. Uh Django is Jamie Foxx, He is a slave at the beginning of the film. is freed by Christoph Waltz, bounty hunter, and they decide to go and win back Django's wife from plantation owner uh, Monsieur Candy, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And it's long. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah. W- well, what did everyone else think of it?
3: Absolutely loved it. Seriously, my favourite film I've seen this year.
0: Didn't uh, like how many films
3: it? have you seen this year, Owen? Uh, 45 at last kings.
0: That's like over two a day.
3: Yeah. I watched <laughs> 450 last year. That's quite a lot as well, isn't
1: mm. it? I was, I was, until this week, keeping up at one a day. And then Owen just shits on that. <laughs> Do you work yeah, from what? home or something, Owen? Uh,
3: no. Are you are employed. Off- <laughs> I did on Friday, because we got snowed in. Mm. And I had to miss going to see... Uh, like pre-booked tickets for Jangle and Chain on the opening day, which I was gutted about. But... So ironically, working from home makes Owen watch less films than usual. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, Owen liked it. I didn't like it. Just really not got on with it, which is strange because I like pretty much everything else that Tarantino's done.
1: I find that interesting. I, I really enjoyed it. Bits of it was some of my favourite Tarantino since Pulp Fiction. Bits of it, I didn't... My main issue is with the last half hour of the film, which I think is needless, pointless, and self-indulgent. I, I loved it. It was a 9 out of 10 film at about the 2 hour 10 mark for me. And then I just... I, yeah, I've got issues with the last half hour. I
2: don't know how else you would have ended it, would you? No, I, I agree with Jerry. It I'm was well, we can't really go into it, but I don't know.
1: we yeah. Would have ended it to avoid that last half hour. I, I think. I, I think you could have had the last ten minutes. That that last half hour just felt really bloated and anticlimactic to me. But then I really liked the last five minutes, last five ten minutes. And if there was a way to stitch those further back, I just didn't. I also didn't like um, Quentin Tarantino's cameos and Australian slavery. <laughs> Shit, yeah. Australian accent, yeah. <laughs> Which was part of that last half hour, which didn't help. No,
2: I mean overall, I thought it was—I really, really enjoyed it. Mm. And I'm not sure where I will place it on the list of Tarantino films, which says it all about the strength of his, you know, his back catalogue. But it, I thought it was fantastic. It was really well done, and it was some of his films. The stylish violence doesn't quite fit with some of the other stuff. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And maybe it makes other things up cheap, like Kill Bill. It's very desensitising. Do you know what I mean? That there's a deliberate effect where he's trying to, you know, make you think that the violence isn't as important as it is. Yeah. It's so overblown and stylish. And this, there was some serious gore in this film. I mean, oh, yeah. shot and it fires off them. Yeah. Big chunks come out of them and
1: everything. Yeah. And, and you know, it wasn't just the gunplay. I think there is a scene that a lot of people will have spoken about the, uh, with two slaves fighting which yes. is yeah, yeah. one of the most horrible scenes. Of yeah. Life. But um, what I was going to say, is, but it's actually, but it's important in the context of the film. It is not gratuitous. It's horrible. Hmm. Um, And other directors would have shown less, but actually it's, it's, it's perfectly, and I think Tarantino himself has said and admitted, what happened to slaves is a lot worse than what he shows in his film. And I think that's an important thing to remember. Yes, yeah. He's not, He's not making. He's not. It's not for titillation, and he's not exaggerating it for entertainment's sake. Actually, he's toned down a lot of what would have happened I think, in real, I think real life.
2: The important thing is with with the way he does the violence is, as you say, there's several key scenes. One of them isn't violent, but it's just horrible. Mm. Um, you know where someone is, and there's yeah. there's one um, which involves a musketeer named slave. Let's put it that yeah. way. And there's the fight which has made a lot of headlines. And all of those things which are the most sort of brutal elements of the the slavery aspect of it, not necessarily you know the bounty hunting side of it, but the parts that are really about violence and slavery, Mm. they're done with less sort of style,
4: if you Mm. I mean,
2: than the 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 one scene, the 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 musketeer scene, shall we call it. That's actually quite understated. There wasn't a lot that you saw. Yeah, today flashback, and that was really. And
1: there's no comedy to it either. You know, it was handled, I thought, quite sensitively considering mm. how violent it is. Unlike some of the gunfights, which well, were right. hilarious. In yes, like at one point, some woman gets blown back twenty feet, despite <laughs> the fact she was shot from the top of some yeah. stairs. And it's like no, that's just funny. Yeah, um, there
3: were a lot of visual gags throughout the whole film, aren't there? I mean, yeah. everything from just the costume that he. He chooses when he becomes a free man, and yeah. which actually is... have you seen is
1: um is a cinematic geek reference. Um, mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. is a oh, f- film by F. W. Murnau who oh, yeah. directed Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. He did a film called The Blue Boy, where the main character wore exactly that costume that Django chooses when he becomes a free man, <laughs> um, and F. W. Murnau created mm-hmm. he invented dollies. And so he invented what was known at the time as cinema unchained, which is that is I, I love that, yeah. and clearly Tarantino did that on purpose, and that mm-hmm. that's one of
3: the reasons I absolutely love that bastard. He's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's I don't, a crazy man. Yeah. Um, I mean, I assume everything he does in this film, every little minute detail is on purpose. You know, yeah. you know the, the opening music is brilliant as well because that's yeah. the, the, ref, the direct reference to the original. Yeah, exactly. Know, Louis of, uh, there
2: is, uh there one usage of hip hop as well, which made me laugh out loud because it was yeah. incongruous, but it
1: was done for sort of comedic effect, really. Yeah, exactly. And he's always done that. He's always, and, and I, I think the soundtrack is a, again another brilliant thing. And, um, I've seen a few comments of people saying he could have had this film wonderfully scored and stuff like that. But do you know what? This is how Tarantino makes films. If you don't like how Tarantino makes films, then just don't watch them. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and a lot of everything I loved about this film is everything I love about Tarantino. Um, oh. And but I thought, my, my personally, it was his strongest story. It was his strongest narrative since Jackie Brown. I think Steve um, would have an issue with that?
0: Hmm. I just don't. I think the performances were good. I think the characters yeah. were good. But I just think the story kind of dragged and didn't really. I didn't feel any tension or anything like that throughout the story, like I did in things like Inglorious Bastards or Pulp Fiction, where some f- f- scenes are really tense and you're mm. expecting something to happen and there's a payoff. I just didn't feel any of that throughout the film. I just, it didn't really grab my focus at all, with the plot, but I thought the characters were good, or most mm. of the characters were good, especially Samuel L. Jackson's one and the, yeah. the performance. I
1: didn't realize it was Samuel L. Jackson for half an hour. <laughs> because i I mentioned something about we were watching i said um i said afterwards did you know that uh apparently leonardo dicaprio had real issues he had real kind of personal dilemma about the language that his character was using uh and about just about his character and it was jamie and i said and jamie fox and samuel L. jackson kind of talked him through it and told him no you know that you need to do this and and she was like that was samuel L. jackson <laughs> yeah. He but, looks so old.
3: He does. But the, the interesting point about the, the use of language, because the N word is used like. Just, a lot. Yeah. It's, I, want, I want to say flippantly, like it's used every sentence, but it's not flippant the, at all. the, I mean, the every the time it's used, it's it, it's got a purpose. It's
1: used to it. by someone who would have used it. That's the thing. Yes. And it, yeah.
0: The N bomb is going off everywhere.
1: At yeah. first, as well, it's very shocking and you're very yes. taken aback, and particularly when the
2: sort of, you know, without wanting to make it sound too crude, when white people are saying it to black people, you're very much, oh, you know, yeah. you have a bit of a shock. But it's amazing how quickly you get desensitised to it as well because it becomes yeah. part of their, their way of speaking, just like they use sort of slightly archaic language because it's
4: yeah
2: 1850s. It becomes part of it. And and when you
3: stop and realise that, that's another thing this film's trying to do to you. It's
4: mm-hmm. yeah, trying yeah, to make you realise
3: this This well, was fucking normal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not sure it, it, it's right to say it kind of... You, get desensitised to it, but I do understand what you mean, it, it becomes get easy less use, yeah. Yes. and you know every time it's used though, I still think it's, it, you know it, like I say, it's used with a purpose, every time someone says it to somebody else, it's not just in a, you know just off the cuff kind of remark it's used to, to drive home this point that, that Tarantino seems to be banging on about in every interview, in that he wants to drive this discussion on on racism and, and slavery in America and uh, mm. So I think it's it's yeah, it, it, it's not that you get desensitized to it, it's just that it you get used to it, I think. Yeah,
1: I I do, d I don't I mean did. that it's not shocking, it's just mm-hmm. yeah. it, it quickly becomes you didn't think the film would turn you racist. Um I do <laughs> just want to go back to the point I made about the story though, because I do I do really like Inglorious Bastards, but i I preferred this to Inglorious Bastards and one of those reasons is for for a while, actually, and it was the same with Kill Bill one and two, which I love, I, and I I will defend to the death uh, my right to like Kill Bill two. Um, I don't but, see a problem with Kill Bill two. I don't. Yeah, know no, good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, but for a long time, for a number of films, Tarantino seems to have made a series of great scenes interconnected into a film, and I, I think that is very true of Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards has four or five brilliant scenes and then there's some nonsense in between bloody mike myers and stuff like that um and I, I i still love it but this actually felt far more mature and it felt like he'd actually sat down and written a story for the mm-hmm. first time in a long time and it was there were still a couple of great scenes there's the the kind of almost the opening scene of um christoph Waltz coming across yes. uh the, the speck brothers and freeing django and that's it that is that's a classic tarantino scene in fact those first few scenes of django and um Schultz getting to know each other are are, are there's some brilliant scenes and, and there's there the scene is
2: brilliant in it as well oh yeah it, it's yeah and,
1: superb. and there's the scene with the ku klux klan and the hoods that we did just feel which i loved it but it was literally he'd written a funny with, scene and stuck it in the with film jonah or, hill's yeah. cameo Yes, Jonah Hill's cameo, yes, exactly. And that's a brilliant... But for most of the film, for me, I was following it far more as a story than I have a lot of his films for a long time. Like I say, since Jackie Brown, I think, was the last time it felt like he'd written a fully-fledged, mature film rather than put together a series of scenes. A that,
2: that. I mean, I think, one, it works so well in terms of the story because the characters and the acting performances are so yeah. strong and you really care about them but secondly um, interestingly enough like my girlfriend isn't into violent films at all Mm. you know she she doesn't like action films she doesn't like violent things but she likes a lot of Tarantino films and Mm. I was asking her about this because she liked Django she really liked Django as well and I was like well you know you don't like violent films and she said well it's because in a lot of action films and a lot of things there isn't a story I don't care but with Tarantino films I always care Mm. it's interesting that even people always talk about the violence in Tarantino films and you know there's A lot of controversy, and, and particularly the earlier ones, it's become a bit more yeah. bit more normal now. But particularly, the earlier yeah. people focus on the violence. But there is always a very, very strong story in the back of
1: yeah. it, yeah. But I do, I, I can't help feeling that after Jackie Brown, he lost his way a little bit. Was stuff, and I still loved his films for what they were. Um, but like I say, for the first two and a bit hours of this, this was my favorite Tarantino film since Jackie Brown. And quite possibly my favourite Tarantino film since Pulp Fiction. I, I just I didn't buy the last half hour as much. Just personal, I think. But um, but you, you mentioned Christoph Waltz, um, who is brilliant in this, and the way he delivers some Tarantino uh, lines. Um, yeah, you know, I know Owen had written a review about it uh which talks about Christoph Waltz being Tarantino's new muse. And I, I totally agree, I think. And I hope they do more work together. And I'm now even more gutted that Christoph Waltz isn't going to be in the next Muppet film. That's that seems <laughs> a massive missed opportunity now. But yeah, Waltz is... He is the best thing about this film. Just ahead of Leonardo DiCaprio. I was going to
3: say, yeah, it's between him and DiCaprio, isn't it? I mean, I love Jamie Fox in this. So I think Jamie yeah. Foxx is probably going to be a, Fox, very understated. Me, but, yeah, yeah, but DiCaprio is just so awesome. I yeah. mean, maybe "awesome" is the wrong. No, "awesome" in the in the correct sense of yeah, actually, you
1: know, yeah. You, you know, you have a sense of awe in watching yeah. him. Um, yeah. and it is a proper. And we, I talked about Daniel Day Lewis earlier. Actually, this is a bit like Daniel Day Lewis in his shouty Daniel Plainview type. You know, it is a really extrovert, balls-out-out-there performance from cap It's a very brave performance as well because thinking of the type of person he is portraying and he yeah. fully commits himself to that role, that's that's brave acting.
3: It uh, is. Uh, I mean, he's you're used to seeing him as a, a this se- sort of serious, dramatic hero as well, often yeah. kind of like a flawed hero, but yeah. never the bad guy. And yeah, to see him just fully get involved in this as monsieur calvin candy yeah. just it's really refreshing i thought yeah. and it shows And
1: also got... um samuel L. jackson is yeah. an absolutely vile character in this um and th- again that must have been a difficult character uh mm-hmm. to portray especially considering the kind of cultural baggage that comes with the character of being the house n-word um Mm-hmm. It was, it, it, yeah. It was quite interesting. Apparently, it's the first time in fourteen years that Di- DiCaprio has been in a film and not had top billing. Um oh, yeah. Which is, which is, and I thought, God, yeah. And you think back, yeah. Actually, he, mm. he. And then it made me think, God, DiCaprio has been big for a long time now. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, he's he's fantastic in this. There's some great dialogue. I, I, I do want to watch it again, and that's that's an important thing. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing this film again. And I, 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 I'm just slightly disappointed. I think this could have been my favourite film of the year, but I don't think it will be, no. Right. But
4: no it, at, it's, one it's... Point,
1: at one point, it was heading towards already being my favourite film of the year, and it just didn't quite get over the finish line for me. It's but... going to take some
2: beating for me, but I'm mm-hmm. quite interested to see. Steve, come on, level with us, Steve.
1: Right. Where is it going to be on your list?
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. I haven't seen every film this out this year yet. It's only, Jan- it's only January.
1: It's, it's in it's in Steve's top ten at the moment. Yeah, it's in my top ten at
0: the moment. <laughs> There's a long way to go. Do
3: we, do we think then about Jamie Fox? Because um, you know we talked about Christopher Waltz and uh, Christoph Waltz, not Christopher yeah. Waltz, and uh, DiCaprio. We know he was going to. The vol was originally written for Will Smith do you think we could see will smith in that role instead of fox or is it just absolutely jamie fox's role
0: now? i could have seen will smith doing
4: it
3: i don't know that's because steve thinks all black people are <laughs> um
1: <laughs> i don't know whether will smith would have been too much will smith in that role yeah, yeah i was just gonna say that jamie he, uh, christoph holtz provides the the color in that mm-hmm. relationship he and jamie fox is very much the straight man i not I'm not sure I want to see Will Smith be the straight man, to be honest. I, l- I like Will Smith being Will Smith. Yeah. Um,
3: I think he would have probably commanded a bit too much screen time yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, I know it's Tarantino and he does everything in his own way, but you know, this is like one of the biggest Hollywood mm. actors that's around. Him, so I don't yeah. know. I think I, I, I liked Fox in it and I, I wouldn't like to see anyone else in that role. I think he was—he's just nailed it absolutely. It's like it's been written for him, even though it hasn't. You know,
1: there, there were there were actually quite strong elements of uh, Clint Eastwood. Actually, I saw a yes. lot of yeah, yeah. Clint Eastwood in Jamie Fox's performance—that very strong, silent, basically just being physically present on screen.
2: Mm-hmm. They had him in um, the um, in the Man with No Name outfit as well yes yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah that that was a nice touch as well um yeah I, yeah I, I i did genuinely enjoy it I, did, I but i do and the other this is the first film that i i noticed i don't know if it's because i thought before i watched it about it's the first film since um Salimanka. Um, the person who's edited all of Tarantino's films. She died last year and she didn't have anything to do with this film. There were a couple of weird editing choices, I thought. A couple, a couple of times where it jumped a little bit too much. It didn't feel quite as natural. And I, I'll be yeah. honest, it's a bit lazy. I've not actually seen who's edited this. I don't know if Tarantino's had a much bigger role in editing this. Um, but a couple of times it didn't quite flow as smoothly as some of his old work did. Um but, but, it, do you know what? No, what I love about this film is that no one makes films like this at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Someone, even if, you know, and even for people who didn't like it and say, you know, Steve didn't enjoy it that much, um, the fact is, it wasn't formulaic. It wasn't, but, you know, there, it's not, it wasn't boring in the sense that it's like everything else out there. There, there, there is nothing like. A Tarantino film out there. I, I think probably only in South Korea are they making films like Quentin Tarantino. But in in the Western world, no one makes films like him. And this is another example of the fact that you cannot imagine anyone else having made this film like it or love it. it it's it's unique, and I think that's. I think that we need to remember that, and we need to celebrate that as well.
0: And that's probably a good place to end for this week. Oh. Um, what's up next week?
1: Uh, next week we uh, induct our second recipient of the corridor praise, and it's the big man. He returns on Friday, and currently on Rotten Tomatoes, his comeback film, The Last Stand, still has one hundred percent positive reviews from critics.
0: From how many reviews?
1: Uh, that was from nineteen last time I checked. From gen from like proper critics as well. The Last Stand is out on Friday. Arnie's return. And Arnie will be inducted into our corridor of praise next week. We will be talking all things Arnie. Excellent.
0: Um, <laughs> well, that's all for this week then. Thank you for listening. Hope you'll be back next week. And thank you for everyone who contributed to the podcast and the website. And thanks to Kevin McLeod from incompetech.com for the music.